Hello everybody, it's David Kurt here, coming at you live with another episode of Selling the Rock, Sudbury's daily real estate podcast. And today, guess who's sitting next to me again? Tristan Ritchie. Thanks yeah. for coming in, bud. Said my last name. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm um, great. Yeah? Well, it's yeah. been a, a good weekend for you, a good week? Of things Amazing. Been- it was a good weekend, uh, quite busy, accepted offer, put two offers in, so it was good. You, you said last time we chatted on the podcast, you said you had your busiest month you've ever had for October. Yeah. How's it? How's November? We're a few days in, how, five days into November. How's it gearing up for you? A couple deals already. So it's going to be yeah. my, my record two years, uh, two months. Fantastic, bud. Fantastic. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, today we're excited to have you guys uh, with us as we, we, we want to bring up the topic of it's so easy to buy your first home. Well, not so easy, but it, it's it's much easier to buy your first home where you get excited. You're a first-time home buyer. You're living in an apartment, and you just you get your your offer accepted. You do your home inspection, but buying your second home when you have a house to sell is a completely different thing. And we wanted to kind of step you guys through some of that and some of the the pros and cons and some of the the uh, obstacles to overcome when you're shopping for your second house. So you work with a lot of second-time buyers? Or, yeah, 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 quite a bit. And like, who is a second-time buyer in this marketplace usually? Uh, usually, I well, there's a couple different ones. Either the step-up home where you're looking for like a lakefront property and you're moving away from like maybe a subdivision home. And then there's the young family that maybe has one kid or is expecting a couple kids and they're in their either the home that one of them owned and then they moved in together after they got married and it's yeah. small two bedrooms just dealt with one recently and so they need that next step because they're they want a couple more kids yeah and i think that's right like I, for me when i look at Sudbury, i think of three different three different four different stages but three different is the main ones and the first time home where they're just looking what's affordable to them they want to be in a certain area and maybe they're saying okay i want to be in the south end or hospital area mm-hmm. they're going to be looking under three hundred thousand dollars so they're going to get more of that entry-level home maybe it's a smaller square footage maybe it's not a big yard but for them the that buyer at that time they're thinking what can they get that's affordable where they can pay down the mortgage and they can it's cheaper than rent the second home comes along maybe five or seven or ten years later when, like you said, they're with a partner now. Maybe they've got one kid. Maybe some kids are on the way or whatever the case may be. And then they start to be concerned about school districts that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. They start to be concerned about backyards for their kids to play in. They start to be concerned about second bathrooms because if you've got kids coming up and you want to make sure they've got that great bathtub space for the, for the kids or whatever you're looking for. So those are the things that come up uh, for that second time buyer. And then from that second time home and maybe it's a house in Algonquin or a house in Moonglow or a house in Llewellyn. After that house, the third time home will be that waterfront home where they're like, cause that's, that's why we live in Sudbury, the city of lakes. That's why we call this company Lake city is because it's the goal for people in the North to have that waterfront dream home. Mm-hmm. And then they have to sell that second second home and jump up to that third home. But today, with our podcast, is going to focus on how to buy your second home. So, when you go to purchase a second home, what what goes through a buyer's mind? This mostly is the sale of their home. What are they going to do with their home? Yeah, and it's it's so easy to to think like, okay, well, they're interested in all these ten homes on Realtor.ca, but they usually have to sell their house to to buy those houses. So, what should they do? Should they sell? Should they buy first? Should they sell first? Like, what do you think they should be doing here? Depends, I, often, depends what level you're leveling up to. Because I find 500 plus, 450 plus don't sell quite that fast. So you may have time to put your home on the market, but it is a risk you're taking because you could get bumped. Um, if you're just What's doing a smaller jump. Because a lot of the, like, the listeners might not know. What yeah, so getting bumped is. is when you put in an offer on a house, 
you get it accepted and then you have a condition in there. So it's, it's approval based on the sale of your home. So once your home is officially sold, then you waive conditions for that home. And then, so you don't own two at a time. So if we think about that process, so like if you're out there, you put an offer on to buy a house, that house is going to have a condition of your house selling. And how long is that condition usually, do you think? I usually put uh, three weeks to a month. And, and I think that's probably the shorter. Some agents will see, like, depending on the marketplace, they'll try to put three months, right? Um, so there's a couple different things when you put that offer. It's how long of a condition are you putting to sell your house? And then the second part of that condition is not, it's not just conditional upon you selling your house. There's what's called an escape clause yeah. that gets coupled with that. And that escape clause says, even though they are, the seller might have accepted an offer that your house has to sell, they are still free to market the property and they're going to be trying to get another offer and trying to put you in a position to see if, to give you a first right refusal chance to buy their house or walk away. Yeah. And that, that's usually 24, 48 or 72 hours. Again, those are all up for negotiation. Um, so that, that condition of sale is always coupled with an escape clause. That escape clause will have a time period as well with it. The condition of sale will have a time period as well with it. And that's all down to negotiations and depending on your marketplace you're in. But typically you're looking about a month to sell your house with a 48-hour escape clause. That would be pretty standard, I think. Pretty in, standard, yeah. In the and current if, market we're in. If you do any more, it just, you're, you're already bringing a kind of weak offer, a risky offer. If they accept it, they're not sure if like your house will even sell. Um, so if you put more than a month, my, from my experience, people, they, they're like, why do you need three months? Why do you need two months? Is that, this house not going to sell? What kind of, so in that case, they're probably barely going to negotiate with you probably accept they're probably barely willing to go down at all. And that's another thing we need to talk about is because you have that condition. I always say when, when discussing an offer with client, with a seller or even a buyer, there's four areas of value. The first and foremost is usually price because the price is going to be going to dictate all else. Mm-hmm. At some price, everything's worth it. The second is going to be conditions because it could be conditional on home inspection financing. could be no conditions at all. And mm-hmm. I've also seen conditional upon uh, a wife giving it the approval because only the husband's seeing it. That's not a strong offer. <laughs> you know, we, we've seen conditional upon uh, finalizing a divorce settlement or whatever the case may be. And those may are things that make that offer weak. All uncertainties. All uncertainties, right? So the more uncertainties that you create in that buyer, that seller's mind, the offer, the weaker it will become. Mm-hmm. That So the, the, the purchase price first, condition second, the third is the closing date. Because if you can match what the seller's asking for for their closing date, that's usually quite valuable. If you can't, you're kind of inconveniencing the seller and maybe that they would, they might prefer to deal with a different offer or they might have to factor that in that they have to store their goods or move out sooner or whatever the case may be. And the fourth and hardly ever applicable in our marketplace, but I still put it down as the fourth is the deposit. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, we get, if there's two offers on the place and one has a $500 deposit, which would be on the lower end for Sudbury, and one has a $20,000 deposit, they're both, they could both be firm offers and they could both go ahead and buy the house. But you're probably thinking if this person can cut me a check for $20,000 in 24 hours from me accepting this offer, they probably are in a strong financial yeah, position. Exactly. So that's why we, we layer those things into those four classes. But circling back to the condition that if you're writing an offer conditional on selling your house, it is, again, first, first it can be price, but second is going to be condition and that's going to be something that weakens your offer. Uh, so you have to be wary of that. Um, I think, I think if we kind of step back and look at the situation of should you buy first or should you sell first, me personally, the advice I'm giving to people is to, to look what's out in the market, see if there's a lot of houses you like, or just one house you like. If there's one house you like, you're probably only going to move sell your house if you can get that one house. 
and therefore you're going to write an offer that's conditional that you get that house conditional on you selling your house. That's not an ideal situation because you're going to pay a premium for price based on that weaker condition. So I, I like to use the case, maybe you're spending $5,000 more compared to an offer that did not have a, a, that sale of, of your home condition. Maybe you pay a $5,000 more for that house where somebody else would pay $5,000 less without that condition. When you go to sell your house, you're probably gonna be in, in, in a quicker pinch to sell your house. So when you get an offer, maybe you're more, you, you price it maybe $10,000 or $5,000 lower, and maybe you're, you're cutting yourself short by another five or $10,000. And it, very quickly, you can look at about $20,000 worth of missed mm -hmm. opportunities. Possibly. Possibly, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, and again, yeah. these, this is not a, yeah. a guarantee, but these are things that could happen if, there's, if you have to write an offer that's conditional upon you selling your house and there's only one house for you in the marketplace. Now, at the end of the day, if that's the situation, we can try to maximize value in it, but if it's your dream home and you need to, you need to get that house at all costs, then we just kind of have to deal with that and, and, and pay the price that you feel that the seller is going to accept w w given the state of our conditions. And then at the same time, we have to be in a position to price your house more aggressively to sell as well. If we can be in the position where there's five or six houses that you're like, oh, these are there's a lot of product that we could picture ourselves in, that's when you would list your house first, have your house on the market, maximize the price you're listing your house at for. At the same time, you can add a clause in an offer that you receive on your house is called suitable accommodation. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people don't understand what suitable accommodation is or that it even exists, but you can tell people that you're only going to sell it to this person if you successfully get the house you're looking for. So if, if you were kind of on the fence that you about, you know, listing your house and not knowing where you're going to go, you can add that suitable accommodation clause to your offer that when you receive an offer to, to sell your house, that even though the buyer wants to pay it, is gonna waive their conditions, only once you say, yes, I'm buying that house that I want to, will that offer be able to go ahead. Well, basically when you waive conditions on that house. Usually we try to have those lined up, and yeah. that's how we can do it. I've heard of it not lining up before, but in, a, in an ideal world, usually both of those are gonna line up at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now again, maybe buyers don't like that, and they're not attracted to that, and they're gonna maybe not be as uh, aggressively pursue your place because of that condition, but it is a way that we can structure it so that you have that uh, that safety net that you're not going to be homeless. And that's what I hear from a lot of buyers. They don't want to sell their house first and then be homeless. But in an ideal world, you're maximizing the price you sell your house for, taking your time, giving, giving top exposure, asking top dollar for your home. And then when you have that house sold, if you have a long condition, like our typically closing dates around what? How many weeks do you think it's every? Six. Six weeks in February. I agree with that. You know, think different things can throw it off. People want to move before snow, so maybe it's going to be a little bit quicker now. And in the summer, they want to move before the school starts, so maybe it's a little bit quicker then. But right now, an average closing could be six weeks. If you had 12 weeks on your offer to close, so if we can negotiate a longer closing date, there's a really good chance that we can find you your dream home within 12 weeks, right? That gives us six weeks to, to shop and then six weeks to close, which is a very good scenario to be in. And when I've had to move, I've done it both times where we, we, when we stepped up our homes, we were able to sell our house first, be in a strong position, and then go make offers on homes afterwards. That's the ideal situation to be in because you're selling your house for the top dollar, and when you're negotiating, you're negotiating top dollar on your home. Yeah, that's true. And I have had some clients move in with their parents. I know if, if you have a family, that's probably not the way you want to go. But I have some some clients that didn't want to risk having that additional pressure selling their home and all that. So they actually did move in with their parents for a bit. They're like, we're okay with saving money, first of all, but also waiting for the perfect house to come up. So that then they got max dollar for their house. 
And then they actually lived, they lived comfy in the second unit of their parents' house. It wasn't just like a bedroom, but. And if that does happen, like, there is other things that you need to factor in. Sometimes there's going to be mortgage penalties to get rid of the current mortgage mm-hmm. you have. Those are things that we have to deal with on a case-by-case scenario. Usually if you're going to be buying a new house within three months or maybe even six months, depending on how you can negotiate with your mortgage lender, they'll forgive that mortgage penalty by you discharging the current mortgage. But those are, those are again, everything's on a case-by-case basis. And the advice we're giving you right now is based on what we're seeing in the marketplace right now. I know if, if, this, is a, if this was a Toronto podcast or an Ottawa podcast, this is not the same advice we're giving you. No, definitely not. You know, the advice that you're getting down there is, like, go buy a house. If you have a condition of sale in Toronto and there's 27 offers on the house, you're not getting it, no matter how much you're offering to me. Yeah, exactly. You know, they'll just go to the next offer. So in our marketplace, it's not quite as crazy. In the past, it hasn't been where, you know, sure, we get multiple offers and we deal with these things, but there is a little bit more um, laid back to our marketplace and you can usually get away with an offer where that's conditional on selling your home. But if you do have that offer, let's say, let's, let's walk through the scenario. So if you do have an offer that is accepted, that's conditional on selling your home, and you're worried about being bumped, what's the scenario, like what's some advice you could give to a seller in that case that they could walk through in terms of like how could they, how could they reduce the risk of being quote unquote bumped and lose out on that dream home? Uh, I'm not sure where you're going. So like, like I know like a popular option is somebody might consider maybe renting their current home. Oh yeah. So how would that work out for a buyer? Or sorry, for a seller? Well, you do just that. You don't need to put suitable, sorry, you don't need to put, actually sell your house, you can have it rented. You could try to sell it still while you're renting, but it is tougher when you have tenants in there, depending how your tenants treat it. So if they like, and I like to think if you're in a house that's around 200 or even under $300,000, that's probably a house that they will cash flow if it is rented. Or close, yeah. Yeah, so that is the scenario where you could go ahead and move and get that next house you want to get as long as you're, the, the, the equity is there and the, the numbers make sense mm-hmm. on paper. Exactly. Where you could turn your house and you don't need to sell your house. You Again, that, that clause gives you the right to go ahead and buy that house even though you, you like you're, they're giving you notice that they've got a different offer. Um, so that you can run a rental scenario and just prepare yourself in advance by, by talking to the bank. Making sure it's feasible first before sure you feasible, right? Because, commit to that. Yeah. Because at some point, if you do get quote unquote bumped, you're gonna be they're gonna turn around and say you've got forty eight hours to remove all your conditions. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? And that's why hopefully you've got your home inspection out of the way, or you've done your home inspection on the place. You've contacted your bank and, and ran through some scenarios that what does it look like if I wanted to rent my house? Could I do that? And even lined up your insurance on the house. So those are kind of our tips on how to handle it from a buyer's perspective uh, when you're trying to buy a house and you have that condition of selling your house and mm-hmm. an offer. Anything else you want to touch on for buying your second house? I think that's pretty good. I think it all boils down to... Uh, maybe assess the cost a little bit because it might be a little bit more than a lot of people think to just, if you've only been in your house two years, you might not have that much equity built up. So it might be a little bit more costly than you're expecting to, to go into that step up home. Um, Because you do have, again, land land transfer tax, which could be an extra like four grand on closing that you don't have as as a first time home buyer. So just a few things to keep in mind. Um, not but necessarily deal breakers, but you've done a great video in the past about some of the cost to buy. All the know. costs, yeah, yeah. We could definitely include that link in the show notes for this thing here. But but yeah, research the cost, and I think more importantly, research the cost on a local level, because you'll research Toronto, and Toronto's got a separate municipal land transfer tax. Exactly. Right? So yeah. like like know what your costs are locally for when you're looking at your transactionary mm-hmm. costs. Last little tip, again, we're giving you this advice as of uh, early November uh, 2019. Whenever you're listening to this podcast, that the advice could have changed based on what's happening in the marketplace. So talk to your realtor, 
talk to them. They, hopefully, they are an expert and they're working. They're working and they they're knowledgeable in the area that you're looking to buy, and they're the ones that can give you the best advice. Hopefully, that's Lake City. But again, we'll, you're free to deal with whoever you want yeah, to deal exactly. with. Uh, from that perspective, we uh, we just re- recommend when you are dealing with that professional, get the advice from them because that's what they you you've hired them for is to give you that advice. Anything else Perfect. to touch on? I don't think so. That's it. Perfect, guys. Well, thanks for listening this time and uh, looking forward to coming at you next time. And again, please like us, share us, get the word out because the more listens that we give to you guys, the better we feel about ourselves. <laughs> True. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye.